0: Yes, he can shave whichever part of his body he wants.
1: Welcome to this week's episode of the Attacking Scrum podcast. It's been an incredibly busy week for news in the world of Welsh rugby and not all of it is good and indeed not all of it is on the pitch as we go to uh, as we start recording now there's a program airing on BBC Wales uh, dealing with some incredibly serious allegations of misconduct at the WRU and while we'd much rather be talking about rugby uh, this is the story that's quite rightly dominating the news agenda today uh, so before we get onto the on the pitch matters uh, we're going to start with the the headline story if anyone is, um, has kind of not seen this, um, it's worth stressing that everything we're going to talk about is, of course, allegations. So um, we have to treat them with that sensitivity. And uh, in case you missed it, the, the, the main story is that some former employees of the WRU have described the organisation as having a toxic culture. Um, Charlotte Watham, the former general manager of women's rugby, alleged that a male colleague said he wanted to rape her while she was present in a meeting. And another anonymous employee has has said she contemplated suicide, such as the toxicity of the working environment. The WRU have stressed that uh, an independent uh, investigation took place and any claims of misconduct Uh, around these allegations were unsubstantiated. Um, And as I say, an independent legal review was commissioned. uh, And as uh, Steve Phillips said, this ran its course. uh, But the details of this have not been made public. So none of which makes for very, very happy reading. Um, Harry, I'm going to start with you. Just how damaging do you think these allegations could be for the WIE?
2: Yeah, well, they're very serious and worrying allegations. Um, the whole, it, it's been rumbling for a, for a few months now. Um, and the worry, I think the, the most worrying aspect is that the WRU have not been in contact really with the BBC. Mm. Um, during these this investigation, so I, I think that's the the odd part of it. Um, obviously, not hundred percent sure on on the the details inside, but it's not too surprising really um, with um, how the Wru is run and that kind of thing. And I I really believe that at this moment now um, it, it's time for clubs and um, probably from the, from the male side of the game to kind of speak up. Um, because being silent now is being complicit, and uh, the the behaviour that has been um, mentioned um, in 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 this process is is clearly not acceptable, and it's really I, I believe it is uh, there should be some re- resignations coming around, and and the fact that even Principality are, are tweeting saying they're very worried and and that things need to change um, is a very difficult situation that we we find ourselves in.
1: Yeah, it's a situation that um, that Tonya Antinazzi, a former um, former Welsh <clears> player herself, <throat> and you know now part of the the shadow cabinet, has compared to the the Yorkshire cricket racism scandal. And you mentioned their you mentioned their sponsors, and that was a big tipping point in the in the Yorkshire case when when sponsors started removing, um, yeah, kind of removing their money. And do you think we might be you know we might be seeing something similar, Harry?
2: Um, I think we should. Um, I think it's, it's of of that same ilk. Um, I don't know really. It depends how things go now after this program airs. Um, but you, I would feel like um there should be some uh, big consequences for some of these actions.
1: And what do you think, Murph? Is this, you know, is this something we're gonna see a storm that, <clears throat> that dies down or is this gonna is this gonna rumble on and be a you know be a big kind of watershed moment within Within rugby in Wales? Um,
0: well, you'd hope so. It's an unusual timeline on this, isn't it? Because the rumours mm. uh, Tali mentioned have been rumbling on for a while. Mm. Then it finally comes to uh, like a large amount of coverage, which is in the last few days because of this documentary. But according to reports, it's already been settled between the WIU and the, yeah. the lady who made the complaint so she can't see anymore. Is that am I correct in well, understanding that?
1: Yeah, that would have been my assumption. Um, yeah. But obviously, it would like some she kind has. Of... So I think it would come down to the, uh, you know, to the the finer, the finer legal details of, of what mm. that settlement entails. But usually, you you're absolutely right. Usually, in these kind of circumstances, when something is settled uh, amicably, as as the wording was, you wouldn't mm. expect there to be, to be any further, um, any further comment, but there, but there has been, and that has yeah. kind of been the WRU's defense to a lot of this is we can't comment on, you know, on this, on this specific incident.
0: Yeah. Well, um, there they some very carefully worded, very bland statement read out multiple times today on the news from the WRU, didn't they? Mm. Um, and I mean, if their reputation <laughs> could get any lower, yeah. I mean, um, it's, it's the, the timing is awful because you know for, for speaking from the the point of view of the WIU, that yeah. they they're struggling to recover their reputation i would say in terms of the the way they run the sport they want to push through um um uh, changes in the way everything is run and then this happens on top and obviously they've known this coming for a long time so um i i, I think i can remember uh you're in a room of very early last year or, mm, or yeah. last spring about them going on so um Yeah, uh, I I hope it it goes as badly as it possibly can because that's the only way things will change. thing is, this is a large governing body. Like how many other crummy little offices are people experiencing the same thing? So I suppose if there's a very uh, uh, public um, um, occasion or not occasion... Public hearing like this, then it'll make progress uh, across all across all working places. But um, I mean, the, it, the way it's, <laughs> like the way the WIU WRI, is run, basically on votes from crusty old committee men like me, does it surprise anyone as a crusty old guy being sexist and misogynist in, in the workplace as well? Um, so it, 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 it's all to me. It's all quite closely linked to just modernization of the whole mm. the, the whole organization you know so uh yeah it's unfortunate that you know we um uh, like i say the timeline is confusing but i i would like to have this come up before personally if, i suppose it was difficult then because it was an ongoing case but yeah. i'd like this to come to light before everything had been settled in advance That's why i would prefer it that way but there we
1: are yeah no, well, I, as you say, the word "the word settled" in the in the legal sense, I think, is going to be very different to the word "settled" from a reputational point of view. Mm. Because I, I I can see this rumbling on. Also, uh, I think this this kind of um, part of the story came out on BBC Wales uh, BBC Whale Sport this afternoon, and there's some further damning c- quotes from Amanda Blanc, who was a senior figure on the WE for a, a relatively short period of time. Um, and again, that brings with it, you know, that brings with it, I think, a, a huge amount of clout because she's such a respected, uh, a respected businesswoman. And it's been said before that it was it was damaging that she walked away from the WLU in the first place for whatever reason. You know, if if it was for a business reason that you simply can't. Um, that they they weren't able to make progress with the with the club game that's embarrassing enough for it to be a question of uh, i experienced really embarrassing sexism and misogyny whilst there that is absolutely truly damning and um, harry i come back to you as i keep mentioning the the kind of the parallels with the 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 racism case in in yorkshire i mean that obviously was was absolutely huge front page news uh, across all of the across all of the papers but If something like that were to happen in terms of a you know a a public investigation, a public inquiry, um, I mean you can only imagine how big it would be because this isn't one county cricket club. This is a one of the biggest sporting governing bodies in the in the sport, isn't it? I mean, it would be it would be huge and and potentially massively damaging for um, for the game, possibly.
2: Yeah, well, especially after the recent women's Six Nations success as well. Because mm-hmm. um, cause you've seen the, the players getting pro-contracts, but how long did it take for them to get contracts? And even at the beginning, it was 15 of them. And then they slowly, it, it seemed to take a long time because I think that the women's team were doing very well in the early 2010s and that kind of thing. And, and it could have been done a lot earlier. So it all begs the question, really, um how the women's game has been run. And I'm sure there'll be a lot of people in the women's game questioning um maybe did did this have an impact. But yes yeah, it's, it's it's huge. Um and, and I think with women's sport only increasing in popularity and that kind of thing, it is is it's gonna reach um a tipping point, I think, and and it it, it rightly should be uh, top of the news and it should should is is a very serious uh, um situation at the moment. Um, and rightly so,
1: Murph. You, you know, you kind of mentioned there with the the bland statements that were that were issued um, by the WRU. You know, is it enough for the CEO to just say to make a statement saying that this issue is, you know, or that has has run its course, the investigation has run its course, or you know, should they be should they be getting on the front foot and and actually, you know, actually trying to get to
0: the to the root cause here. Yeah, uh, well, uh, um, Tonya... I'm going to struggle with the name. Tonya Antonazzi, Antonazzi is calling yeah. for the um, um, Welsh government to set up an independent yeah. body to oversee situations as big as this. Um, yeah, I don't think they're going to be... Uh, Personally, I don't think they're going to be able to just uh, muddle through with um, statements like that. Uh, i tell you what... what Sticks in my uh, poor a little bit—is that the right word? Is um, the guy with the complaint against him still works at the WIU? Hmm. So was he was he guilty of the alleged issue or not? Why is he still there? Who is he? Like, is he too big to get rid of? But how high up? How low down? Obviously, this is the kind of thing that I was getting at when they said when I meant they couldn't discuss it any further. Well, there's some kind of um, there's some kind of uh, Clause in in the agreement that's been signed with um, the the complainant, and and therefore you know no more can be said or whatever. Well, they, they, how how quickly can they move on from this situation if if the person is still working there? I mean, obviously, maybe this will make him change his ways. But any any other job, I think you. How many people survive? I mean, how many how many jobs uh, occupations where you can survive this kind of thing? I, I mean. MPs obviously they can provide anything, <laughs> yeah. but you know in in sporting bodies like that I don't I don't think many people yeah. would keep their job. So um,
1: yeah, I, I mean it's worth it is worth saying that in relation to that that they said that the the allegation was unsubstantiated. Yeah. Um, so obviously you know I suppose again particularly from a legal point of view you've got to treat that at, at face value, but it's yeah. not you know it's not going away. As you said, normally when these things are settled. You don't expect any further comment outside well, now that there, there is a sorry mate uh, there was what? a you know an investigation that took place behind closed doors from the wru mm. and mm. the details of which have never been made public now the bbc wales is doing their own investigation and is making it very very public um, well this is it
0: that the the news article i saw today said that the um witnesses to the incident weren't questioned by yeah. the independent hearing so if you never question anyone it'll never be- it'll Absolutely. never be substantiated will it yeah. if you ask all the people who were there, then that suddenly is substantiated you know uh, so uh, that that just makes it look even worse from my point of view uh, yeah. if, if they if they're gonna say am substantiated well how do you know if you haven't fucking checked uh, that's legal term for it obviously <laughs> but uh, but um that that's it, it just it, the, the more you the more you um, uh, scrutinize the situation the more the more shoddy he looks and the more the more of a cover up he looks and like I said the fact the guy is still there as well and then the scene is up substantiated it, it it just gets worse and worse.
1: Yeah no it does absolutely Harry we're gonna finish on um, on this now and just want to bring the, the kind of the final points to you. Do you agree with kind of what Murph's saying there and what um Tony Antonazzi has said that the WIU are essentially marking their own homework here.
2: Yeah, totally. Uh, it, it, there's not much more to be said, really. It's, it's, yeah, it's looking very dodgy, and as Murph just said, it's, it's looking worse by by the minute, even. So, yeah, um, it certainly feels like there should be some some uh, outside um, kind of investigation uh, into this now and uh, try and sort it out.
1: Yeah, absolutely agree. And amongst all of this, you you know, as you said, there's. Um, the, with the popularity of the women's game, not just in Wales but obviously, a, you know, across the, across the world, is is growing. But can you really take, um, you know, take an organisation at face value when there there are allegations like this going on behind it that directly, um, are directly, sexism and and misogynistic, and uh, you know, all of this is, you know, as I say, I think this could be massively, massively damaging, and there's going to have to be. Um, there's gonna to have to be an almighty turnaround from the WRU to um to address uh, to address this from a from a reputational point. And as you said, Murph, there's uh, um just when yeah just when you kind of thought it couldn't get any worse. Um I think this is uh, this has proven that it can be. Um anyway, we are gonna take a quick break now. when we come back, we are gonna move on to uh, on the pitch matters and we're gonna look back at the European action from this weekend. But first we're gonna take this very, very quick break. Time then, gents, to talk about some on the field action and. Thank uh, oh God. Uh, thank God indeed. Yeah, and um, well, I think the best place to start is with uh, is with the Ospreys, as we have done for the last few weeks. Uh, what a game this was, and uh, I mean there were lots of great performances in there, but the thing that really impressed me, Murph, was the was the spirit shown um, by the Ospreys throughout that game. There were times when it looked as though they were on the verge of conceding that, you know, got a score that could have taken the game out, kept fighting right until the, the bitter end and, mm. uh, and came out winners.
0: Yeah. I, like you said, what the game, um, uh, what a side they've turned into since Owen Williams has arrived. You know, mm. we, we, early season, we thought they would the, be the highest placed in the, in the, in the league because they're the strongest squad and everything else. And they, they just showed no signs of backing us up until uh, December really. And now they look, I tell you, what, what looks worse? Than that, obviously hindsight and all that, but the, the first game against Leicester in the European Cup, mm. they cocked that up. If they hadn't cocked that up, they're sitting on a sitting on a home tie now. Yeah, uh, uh, and honestly, looking capable of going quite deep in the tournament, which is a weird thing to say about any Welsh region. Um, but uh, I don't suppose there's much, you know. It, it, obviously, it's gone. I was nothing you can do, but they're going to face. Um, Tricky away, Saracen's away. away I it? mean, Tricky's probably done not kind of <laughs> away, but um, it's unfortunate because I can't. I, I, I take something you know, out, you know, uh, unbelievable to to get a win there. But uh, just just to have them in a Welsh representation in the latter stages is a start. Um, there's so much to pick up on during that game. I, I, at times when they looked like they were going to lose, you know, a few minutes to go and, and they're about six points behind, I was thinking to myself, well, the only difference between these two sides is the referee.
1: Oh, I mean, this, was, <laughs> I just, I don't know what, I don't know yeah. which French brasserie they went into at two o'clock in the morning and found, it, and found him because bloody hell that was, uh, I, yeah. I just, there was just no I, mean, I don't think I've seen him before.
0: No, I, I, I'm I not, not familiar with him, but there, it, it, it was obviously I, I, I know and I've, said quite regularly that I'm completely biased and one-eyed when it comes to Welsh rugby teams and the national team. So I was just saying, no, no, it's just you, it's just you. But then after a while, it just kept building up the amount of times. Uh, so uh, um, a lesser player, Tommy Raphael, for example, would get all the time in the world to try and rob the ball. And then when it was the other way around, hands away, hands away all the time to the Ospreys player, all the time. Uh, uh, you know, and then it was Dan Cole smashing people five yards past the ruck all the time, not all the time, on, on, a, on, on occasion, which was you know, so obvious. And uh, everything was just getting missed. So, um, yeah, I was thinking, oh, well, they, they played really well and it's just the referees outdone them. But then to, to score that try in about the uh, 18th minute of injury time or whatever, it was just a brilliant, brilliant game.
1: Yeah, it was that drama going right to the death as Murph said there Harry. And and I don't think the drama the dark drama didn't even stop when the the try was awarded. Uh, a lot of Leicester fans would would be aggrieved by that. What uh, what did you make of that final that final decision to award the try for Jack Morgan?
2: Oh, um, yeah, yeah, it's not clear cut, is it? I, I don't think, I can't say there's a clear moment where I can see it grounded, but that being said, I think the, the Ospreys would have been absolutely spoo-in. Those, those two Kieran Williams tries mm. that, that were disallowed. Um, it it was certainly come in and, and yeah, it, it feels like it should have been a try because like, they had the momentum and, and that kind of thing, but obviously the camera angles, uh, yeah, they weren't too great, um, to, to show anything, but I don't know. I think the reactions of the players, um, probably spoke up. I think Jack Morgan seemed quite confident it that he'd got, 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 over the line. Um, and a few of the, the lesser players didn't, didn't seem to like, like complain too much. Uh, I thought if, if they, if they were sure they, they would have made more of a, a thing out of it, but yeah, it's, it's a great win. And, uh, it just shows that, that that squad mentality at the moment, the Ospreys, what, what the culture they've created. And yeah, they certainly look uh, a mean team at the moment. And I don't think too many um, teams around the world will fancy uh, going up against them.
1: One of them who might though, Harry, is, is the draw that they've got, as we said, away to Saracens. What do you, what do you, how do you assess their their chances there? It's an incredibly tough place to go and have to get a result, but do you do you think they uh, do you think they've got a good chance?
2: Yeah, certainly. Um, I think they've got got a huge chance that that um, the set pieces is, is massive for them. And and when they've really looked to attack and and that kind of thing, they they I think throughout the European competition, they've been able to change their game in important moments. And I think that's really a sign that they've gone to this next level now. Um, yeah, the the set piece is going to be fascinating because I think. Edinburgh got the the wood over Saracens in the last game, um, and I just I think the the bench players coming on. I, I think it'll be interesting to see Osprey bomb squad deal with that, um, especially the heroics of uh, Rhys Henry, a local boy from Carnarvon um he, he's just a hero right now and uh yeah he just shows that being a prop is, is a lifestyle and not a choice
1: <laughs> it, it does to me this is going to sound really mean but reese henry looks like one of those grizzled 43 year old props who you encounter on a on a sunday morning who is just there to scrummage and scrummage the life <laughs> out of any opposing loose head and uh it was it was massive, wasn't it? Just a massive performance, um, and nice to see it in amongst you know a side that's littered with internationals. Nice to see a bit of old school gnarliness. Just get the uh, get the edge at, um, at the edge at the scrum time. Um, what do you rate the, in terms of chances in the next round, though, Murph? Um,
0: well, listen, if you catch them with some injuries, <laughs> maybe. I can't I can't see full strength saracens losing at home mm. to anyone uh, there, I think there's maybe three teams in europe who could beat them at home uh, in a serious game, obviously they do lose games at home in the league mm. that's normally squad rotation or in a big one off game I would see I, I could only see leinster larochell to lose on a good day beat them I can't I couldn't see anyone else um, beat them at home on a big one off game so yeah uh I think quite it might be you know, when you look at some of the other teams who've got a home draw, it's probably, aside from Leinster away, <laughs> you know, it, it couldn't have gone much worse. And, and like I say, the, the, the cock-up in the first game, the first round, uh, has really come back to haunt them. But, you know, the, uh, their fans are going to have a great day, great day out on the back of it. So I suppose that's the, that's the main thing.
1: Yeah, and potentially a springboard for a better end to the season in the league as well, do you think, Harry?
2: Yeah, definitely. I think um, what this period has shown is that like they, they were losing the, the the games at the start of the season, really close margins, and maybe they were missing that experience. And as Murph has said, Owen Williams' his influence has been huge. Um, he, against Le- again, he played fantastic against Montpellier the other week, but he was pulling the strings beautifully. Um, he was popping up everywhere, little chip kicks, um, trying to avoid that re- really quick um blitz defense from the tigers. Um yeah, he's just in incredible form at the moment. So yeah. I think um they they, they really should go on now. Um and I think it'll be interesting to see how they go. Um, with a couple of players missing during the Six Nations, but they they've got all the confidence in the world, and w- w- what we see from the from the camp and like the celebrations the other night and that kind of thing, is a feel good factor, and hopefully they can uh, cling on to that for as long as possible.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And final point on this game, Murph. We're going to come on and talk about the Wales squad in the final part of the show but it was a great opportunity to see two well 7s up against each other, all like, well, mm. three well 7s up against up against um, each other with, with Morgan Tipperick and, mm. and Raffle all on the pitch at the same time. How mm. did you assess uh, their performances? Well, I, I know Jack Morgan
0: got the winning try, uh, mm. but I think he was outplayed by Tommy Raffle. I think they're slightly different players. Uh, Jack Morgan yeah. is more of a ball carrier than and Tommy Raffle and Tommy Raffle is just an out-and-out breakdown operator. But if I was uh, uh, an outsider, you know, just a, a neutral watching two teams, I, I would think Tommy Raffle got the better in, in, in that game. Um, wh- whether that matters, because when the time comes to select the back row, it'll be an issue of who plays better with the rest of the back row on, you know, whatever back row is selected. But um, personally, I, I, I got Tommy as the... Um, the best open side in Wales at the moment, even, even with Justin Tipbrick's unbelievable uh, try scoring antics last week, I think it, it, in the kind of um, um, heavy traffic of the six nations is coming up. Uh, I, I would go Tommy Raffel and then, and out
2: blindside on uh, alongside him.
1: Interesting. Harry, how did you assess how the, the three sevens went on Friday night?
2: Yeah, it was a huge area of the game, wasn't it? Um I think everyone is looking forward to it. And at the end of the day, I think overall, it's a fantastic uh, night for Welsh rugby. Um, to have that depth um mm-hmm. at seven is remarkable, really. I think uh, a lot of countries would be wishing uh, they could have the same. Um But yeah, to Tommy Raffle he's just... The fact that like when he's in there, he's so difficult to move. And it's not even because he's so heavy or anything. It's his technique. He like mm. floats along his his legs are so wide. Um, but yeah, he he definitely had the better over the ball and under a, a lot of pressure. Um I think Ospreys were a little bit slow to the breakdown, um, whereas Leicester were a lot better in that aspect. Um, but Obviously, give give him a sniff and uh, he'll he'll, he'll take the ball. Um, But then Jack Morgan's carrying was uh, phenomenal. I think in the first half, he had a big run, which didn't come to much. I think a penalty eventually. And then he started that final attack, really, really brought it to life. Um, So it it would be interesting to see whether you can swap them on and off and different situations or even playing together. It's a, a great prospect for Wales.
1: Yeah, it is. I have to say, Murph, I think I'm. I mean, I changed my mind on this on a weekly basis. Mm. I was firmly of the opinion about three weeks ago. I was like, proper six, then Jack Morgan and Toby. And then uh, having watched Tipperick last week, I was just like, oh, do you know what? You just sometimes you take him for granted. The guy is world class. You've got to have him in there. And then this week, I looked at Tommy Reffler and I thought, God, he's just like a, he is like a clamp over that ball and mm. at international rugby, that's so incredibly valuable. So, yeah. God, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm none the wiser.
0: It's, um, yeah, it's his hip flexibility, I think, that mm. enables him to get into that low position all, all the time. Just, you know, uh, nearly every breakdown he's getting involved. Uh, yeah, look, uh, this you got the issue, t- Tip Brick's been stripped of the captaincy so that that might, tell you something uh, it's not automatic that he's gonna to have to be on the pitch now but obviously it, 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 it's the issue of who he is on the world stage he's also the main source of line-out ball for whoever he plays for so mm-hmm. there, there's so much there's so much to decide I, I, I'm I'm quite glad that I'm not picking the Welsh team for a change <laughs> obviously like every other Welshman think I should be picking the Welsh team but on this occasion <laughs> I'll just, I, I'd maybe pick the other unless someone pick the two flankers and I'll pick the other 13 players that'll be a fair deal enough.
1: fair enough all right let's take a look at the other games over this weekend featuring the Welsh sides uh, obviously in the, the Challenge Cup let us start with the Scarlets Harry I haven't seen this game but they end the campaign with uh, with all wins and we'll set up a home tie against Breve what, uh, what did you make of their performance?
2: Yeah, I think overall it, it was a, a success. Um, I think the question mark was them really going away from home and mm-hmm. um, and showing themselves well, especially after that last cheetahs game, which I thought left a lot to be desired. I think they they played well in large parts of the game, um, but there, I think there were still a few issues that are still lingering, um, still there. But obviously they got the win. They played well. They played some lovely rugby. Um, at times, really uh, attacking the fringe as well, and attacking from deep as well. So, yeah, you you, you think now they they've turned the corner a little bit, um, and then hopefully they can just work in, on those key areas. Especially, the, I think the defense is still looking a little bit dodgy. Um, a few times they were on on the back foot, um, but a, a few players like Dan Davis and wherever would save them. Uh, right in the the final third but yeah, I think that there's some key performers um, through that team at the moment Um, so if they can keep them fit then uh, yeah, they they could go well, I think Brieve, difficult side to kind of get a a glimpse of really, they played well against Cardiff this weekend but not so well the week the the weeks before, Mm. so it'll be an interesting tie, Um, but I think the Scarlet should go in quite confident they're playing some good rugby now
1: Breathe at home, Murph. I would feel like Dwayne Peel will really fancy this one. What do you reckon? Well, they
0: they looked shoddy in, in some of the um, early pool games. So whether they... I mean, I think they're... Unless I'm mistaken, I think they're plum bottom of the top 14, I think. Mm-hmm. So whether they're going to have the interest to turn up with a strong side and actually try against uh, Scarlets away in the next round or, or whether they're going to concentrate on trying to um, stay in the top 14 is a big, big question. Uh, maybe it could come to the point where they, they, they already feel like they, they're not going to survive in the top 14, in which case it will be an opportunity to do well in something, the Scarlets, but based on, based on the, you know, I, I saw them against Cardiff and, Obviously, that wasn't first choice, but uh, based on their results so far, I, I think at home, Scarlets uh, would edge that myself. I, I haven't actually checked. I didn't realise um, Scarlets are home to breathe. I don't know. I don't know who
1: Newport or Cardiff have got in the next um, round. So Cardiff have got Sale, I believe, at home. Harry, is that right? Yeah, they've
2: got them at home.
1: Yeah, and that's a drag- tough one. Dragons ahead into Glasgow. Dragons ahead into Glasgow. Yeah. Right. Um, Am I?
0: Have I imagined that Cardiff were guaranteed a home draw because Bristol were fined points from their table, uh, points from the pool table because they played an illegible player, uh, uh, Elliot Stuke or someone mm. played for him, and he wasn't registered in Europe, and they had points deducted, so it didn't matter what happened to Cardiff on Saturday. We we're going to get a home draw
1: anyway. Harry, I- is the uh, Harry is the the resident journalist here, uh, <laughs> rather rather than the two armchair fans, that one's over to you. Do you know the answer to that one? <laughs>
2: No, I I, I haven't heard that to be honest. No, I, I, um, knew, I, it, yeah. I,
1: I knew I knew they have fielded an illegible. They had to be, and it was Elias yeah, But yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know there were there were sanctions like that. But um, yeah, and I also don't know how it works in terms of getting a home draw in the round of sixteen and then the quarterfinals. I don't know how that works. Um, no. So all all I know is I think the scarlets have home draws in both if they get through. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've uh, yeah the the continuing confusion around this tournament um, <laughs> continues. Um, yeah, sale will be will be tough, uh, I think, and yeah, I mean, dragons away from home. To be fair, they they've been better on the road this this year. I think um, you know, was obviously, winning winning at Po, uh, drawing against the the Lions away. So it's not perhaps as daunting as it would have been at various other points, but um let's move on and talk about the dragons actually because that was an opportunity that was an opportunity to get a home uh, to get a home tie and they've missed out on it i mean they looked as though it was going to be a 50 point drubbing at one point and then in the last play of the game they could have won it um good bad ugly indifferent both all of the above harry what do you make of that performance from the dragons yeah, all of
2: the above. To be honest, I think it, every the, all, the the whole game encapsulated their season. Really, um, again, to uh, uh, giving a huge lead away. Um, I think Moriarty uh, losing Moriarty early on did make an impact, but again, the, the game management I, I thought was quite poor. There a lot of mistakes. Um, I think. Um, as much of a, a fan I am of uh, Will Reed, I thought um, a bit of an ex- inexperience uh, this weekend, um, missing a few kicks and just allowing the Lions to control the game early on um, made it difficult for them. Um, but then obviously they they give away the penalty early second half, but then it was on then and, and they played some really exciting rugby, especially when Lions were down to 40 men and where was this team in the in mm. the first half? It, it was incredible. Some of the rugby that I thought the um, replacement uh, front row done went really well. Brodie Cochlin has uh, made it a big impact in uh, senior I mean, rugby. That's a
1: massive. Uh, some massive performances from him actually. As a guy who I think he's twenty and yeah, know, yeah, with a with a handful of senior appearances. Um, so yeah, another another local boy uh, coming in and doing well. And from a Wales point of view as well, Leon Brown made a big impact with, with ball in hand and at scrum time, I thought.
2: Yeah, Cochrane's gone well in the Premiership this year with RGC and uh, from Newport and Harlequin's Kerry Morris as the, as their coach. Um, so I thought he'd, he'd go, go well, but not, not quite how, how he's gone. He's really turned into a man over these last few months and he's made a really big impact on uh, Leon Brown as well I, I'm sure he was probably surprised being being picked up um, for that last squad after quite a, some time out but yeah he, he played really well some of the carries he was making um, he scrummaged well um, and, and yeah he, he, fair play to him um, coming back after a long injury and, and putting in that type of performance is excellent
1: yeah, if they could string together eighty minutes, you just feel like there is, you know, there, there, there is something special there. But that said, that 10, 15 minute period in the first half, yeah. they were absolutely diabolical to the point where that's the worst I think I've seen them play all season. You know, couldn't get a hand on um, on the Lions players. So, you know, these are the things that have got to get have got to get stamped out. And um, and yeah, just need to, need to get a few more get a few more wins on the board. And but. As I keep saying, you know, these are, these are games that last season we lost by forty points. I think so. Yeah, it does feel like it's, it's, it is heading in the right direction, but those flat spots in games are, are absolutely costing them at the moment. Um, and again, kicking from kicking from nine and ten, I thought was was a big difference. When Roger Williams came on, he,
2: he yeah, made certainly. a real
1: big difference at, um, mm-hmm. at nine. And actually, JJ Hanrahan. Um, Mixed it up, mixed it up well too. I, I thought we'll read re- showed some nice glimpses, but Hanrahan again yeah. bringing that experience, knowing when to kick, but also knowing when to give a show and go, um, was uh, was a big difference. Um, just to finish up the the Challenge Cup, then um, Murph, as we said, there Cardiff have got Sale. Um, it's a tough game because Sale have been, you know, have, have been you know a very tough side to beat all season. How seriously do you think they'll be taking the Challenge Cup versus? Versus, you know, their domestic campaign, though. Yeah,
0: it's tricky to tell, isn't it? They'd be disappointed, I suppose, to find themselves in the Challenge Cup, really. But the fact that they're there, they'll be they'll be one of the favourites mm. um, if they're trying. And I, I it depends. It depends how well their domestic season goes, I suppose. If they're right up there in the mix, then maybe they will take their eye off the ball in Europe. But um, if they uh, if they're gunning for the for winning the thing, uh, I think Cardiff are really struggle to beat them because uh, I think uh, Scarlets felt the full force of it last season or mm. or, or, or sometime recently. They're exactly the type of uh, style of play that Welsh regions struggle with. They just come at you very direct uh, up front and in sort of midfield uh, with very heavy carrying, and then and then the defence is very heavy as well. So um, yeah, they're, they're tricky, no, well, potentially winners and, and therefore um, tricky for Cardiff to get past and uh, again, that, that goes back to um, some of the, they, they, they've guaranteed a, a home spot because of the Bristol situation but they obviously didn't qualify high enough up the rankings because they've ended up facing uh, a strong side in, in the next round. So, um I don't suppose there's much they could have done about the breathe away game, but um, that was the only that was the only game they let slip really.
1: So it was, and uh, and yeah, we'll see how uh, how costly or not that might be uh, when we, when we get to the next round. But good to have, um, yeah, good to have all four sides there represented. Although, as we do say, it is it is a lot harder to get knocked out of this competition at the pool stages than it is to go through. Um, but, uh, but nonetheless, it keeps it uh, it keeps it a lot more interesting than it did last year where we were pretty... Well, I think we stopped doing podcasts about April because all the, the involvement of any Welsh side was, uh, was gone. So it does look a bit a bit brighter on that front, which is good. Right, we're going to take one more quick break. And when we come back, we're going to be having a look at uh, Warren Gatlin's squad that he named last week, what it might mean for the Six Nations, a bit of injury news... And uh, we haven't spoken about this for a good 25 minutes, so we're going to talk about the 60 cap rule as well. And all of that is coming up after this quick break. Right, so me and Harry were on last week talking about uh, what we thought um, the Welsh squad might be. That Warren Gatlin was going to name Murph. Excited by that by that squad.
0: Yeah, uh, I think I was on for our squad selection.
1: Where well, we selected, we, se- we selected our squad a fortnight ago, and then last oh, right. week we recorded on Monday night just before uh, Gatlin named his. So, ah, oh,
0: right, okay. Uh, because um, I, I I suggested there might be a cull of some of the old guard, and <laughs> instead one oh, of yeah. them's one of them's being made captain, <laughs> uh, and I mean you're never going to get rid of the other two really. Uh, I suppose which one? Uh, say if you had to pick one of those three, which one is most under pressure?
1: This is uh, a, this is a hill you're prepared to die on, isn't it? <laughs> well, it's got to come eventually. Uh, you know, they, they, they're such big.
0: Alan Wynne in particular, such big names in the sport, they might get to choose their last day like Shane Williams did. Mm. They might get to say, right, uh, uh, coach, I'll play this season, but my, la- my last game is going to be <laughs> home, home to Scotland in the Six Nations. Uh, mm. Any other player would say, well, the reply would be, that's, that's if you're selected. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so um, I, I just wondered, uh, will all, th- all three or two of them, uh, you'd think at least two of them are going to retire after the World Cup.
1: Well, Warren, uh, Warren Gatland said as much about Ken Owens, didn't he? Uh, in mm. his um, in his press conference, he said, "You know, we've selected him, and we know this is this is his last this is his last campaign. He's not going to carry on after 2023. I don't think Ken has said as much, but, uh, mm. but Warren's felt he's able to. I mean, surely Alan Wynne can't go on after the World Cup, <laughs> um, but I think I, I think I might have said that last time round as well. So, mm. uh, so you never know. Um, I, I think there's there's every chance that all. Three might be in the World Cup squad I think he obviously he wants some trusty lieutenants around him who he knows will will be put a kind of positive force in the dressing room and can have been there have gone to war with him and I think that's you know that's probably as a big part of the a big part of those selections is the is the characters and the experience that, that those guys bring were you surprised Harry that uh, that all three of those guys made it
2: um, um... Well, uh, from that perspective, no, um, because it, it, in the, the press conference, he did mention that it was a bit soon um, before the World Cup. Mm. Um, I, I feel like if he had a bit more time, then, then maybe um, one or two of them w- wouldn't have been in the squad. But being as he, he's not got too much time, he's expected to get results. Um, yeah, I, I think... Um, it, it, it's not too much of a surprise really that he's, he's gone with what he knows and, and also to bring through some of the youngsters, like you mentioned about Alan and Wynn being there with, with um, a few of the young locks and just showing them uh, the ropes and, and what is expected of them. And um, so I think, yeah, they'll be a play a crucial role in, in that aspect and hopefully bringing along the side um, to compete to the world cup.
1: Yeah. Quite a few, uh, really young, bright prospects in there who, you know, a couple of which we didn't, I don't even think we mentioned on ours. Murph, out of the, the kind of the, the Teddy Williams' is and the, and the Mason Grady's, who, who do you think we might get an opportunity to see and who do you think is in the squad as an opportunity to train and, and test their metal against the biggest names in the sport?
0: Well, I was really shocked at Teddy Williams. I mean, I'm delighted for him, but, you know, he's had one start for his mm-hmm. region, which came... Uh, purely by coincidence (laughs) the week before the squad was selected Um, um, it it looks even more worse luck for uh, Maxwell now with Mason Grady's getting a a look in Um, yeah you you would think a lot of them are going to just be in showing the environment, see how they react, if whether, you know, whether they kick on from there, but I, I'd be amazed, you know, obviously there's people like Will Rowlands to come back. If the 60 cap rule allows and what have you, uh, I, there's not too many injuries at center. So, you know, Mason, if Mason Grady goes well, uh, off the bench against Italy or, or whatever, whatever opportunity he's going to get, then, um, um, they've picked quite a lot of centers for a, a change. Uh, he only used to go with four centers. He's picked five this time. So, um, It'd be interesting to see who's in the pecking order there. Yeah, you know? it's
1: five. And obviously you've got Owen Williams can cover that. I mean, I wouldn't expect oh. necessarily Owen Williams to start a, a fixture at centre, but he could very easily be in a match day 23 to cover uh, 10 and 12.
0: Yeah, could end up there, yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, I, I was really pleased. Look, Rhys Webb is one of the big t- t- uh, talking points. I actually saw him out shopping. Uh, last week and I I wanted to go up and congratulate him but he was he was talking to someone I didn't want to interrupt but you know that that was two that's two seasons late that selection yeah agreed and and when you look at his career same day as Leigh Halfpenny completely shagged his knee in the last game in the last game before the World Cup so he missed the 2015 World Cup then he got then he got completely done over on the 60 cap rule of the 2019 yeah. World Cup. I, don't, I can't remember if he was involved in 2011. He's too young then, wasn't He, he? wasn't. Yeah. So he's never been to a World Cup. Reese Webb, I, I, you know, and so I'm really pleased that uh, he's clearly, clearly set in the top three scrum artists in this country. So the only reason you wouldn't pick him is if you just didn't like him personally. Hmm. Well, there's no other re- there's no rugby reason why you wouldn't pick Reese Webb in the squad. Um, so yeah, I'm really pleased that he got in. And, and uh, although I got the the uh, "cull of the old guard" thing, it was only a theory, you know. Uh, although I got that wrong, I, I I I I'll have to check the tapes, as they say. But I ca- I called all the um, outside and selections. What what I would like to be in this, in the squad is what he's actually picked. So I'm I'm I'm, yeah, I'm quite pleased with the whole squad. The the only shaky ground I think is tight head.
1: Yeah. It, yeah, which is I think um the fact that that Leon Brown was named having not played in 9 months. Yeah. And you know, then had a, then had a bench appearance this weekend. I think that is that's testament to kind of where we are in terms of tight head, isn't it, Harry?
2: Yeah, definitely. Um I think they're all good players, aren't they? But it's it's just the the worry whether their bodies will uh, get through, and I think that's quite a big question mark for for um, props of the these days in in the modern game, the amount of pressure that goes through. So. Hopefully we'll uh, see a good run with uh, Tom Francis, but yeah, it, it is a little bit of a worry. It is a question mark, certainly. But I think if though, like Dylan Lewis and Leon Brown do hit their straps, I think they they will put in good performances. I believe.
1: Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, uh, hopefully, hopefully you're right on that front. Um... I was just going to say on the tight ends, Jed, uh, if you don't mind. Um...
0: Leon Brown, as you mentioned, haven't played for a long time. Dylan Lewis is not fit, and mm. as far as I'm aware, won't be in fit in time for the Six Nations either. So we, it's a bit of a Wayne Pivac selection there. You're picking mm. people for a for a series of games, and he won't be he not well. He won't be fit for the start. I don't know when he's projected to be injury free again. But um, that just goes to show that some of the boys that were getting selected in the in under the last. Uh, regime I aren't fancied at all. by Warren because he's picking he's picking injured boys instead, you know, that I'm thinking the Sam Wainwrights and mm. whoever else has been looked at over the last couple of seasons. So um obviously a very big fan of Leon Brown as well. So um yeah that that's it'll be interesting to see how that develops because um I I, I wouldn't swear to it, but I'm I'm fairly sure that Lewis won't be fit in time. So first game Ireland up is going to be uh Tom Francis and Leon Brown in the matchday squad.
1: Yeah, I think that that is quite likely, and I mean we have to say you're right. It is it is to a certain degree a a Wayne Pivac selection in terms of fitness. What I would say is we've seen this from Gatland in the past as well. How much he values Test match quality players. You know how often do we see Warburton come into that side having not played? You know for like four months for. Cardiff, and then play one game, and then he's straight into that Wales, into that Wales seven shirt. So I think that there is there is a degree of that, and I was going to ask you about this, Harry, because this is something that that Jamie Roberts mentioned on the the commentary on the um, on the Dragons game is Gatlin kind of priding his ability on identifying players who have Test match quality, who have the character and the ability to play at Test match level. Do you think that this squad? is to a certain degree about assessing some of those new boys as well and seeing if they're up for the fight and they they've got what it takes to be an international.
2: Yeah, certainly. He made the comment didn't he that he wanted to give uh, some of these young boys some uh, experience especially with if you've got a cut, like it's expected that you will get a few injuries going into the World Cup and if you lose one or two players in key areas, then you're asking a lot of some of the youngsters just being thrown in. So it'll be interesting to see how much game time um, some of them will get, especially in those key areas. Um, Maybe it depends on the start they get. um, But, yeah, it's certainly interesting that he's he's – I I personally hope that they will get a good goal, to be honest, and get some minutes under their belt. Um, ready for the World Cup, but it's got to be a, a very uh, managed job, I think. Um, it'll be tricky.
1: Yeah, I think one thing's for sure. I think he's going to be beasting them in training to see how they react and uh, and those that are kind of up for the fight, I think, have got every chance of of being involved with uh, with Wales in the future. Talking of players involved with Wales in the future, Murph, Gatland has said, uh, I think today, uh, he wants the 60-cap the rule reviewed. Given that he's kind of come in on his on his own terms and seemingly is is around for a while, I could see this being the end of the sixty cap rule. What do you think?
0: Um,
1: I hadn't heard. I hadn't heard him um, say that. I
0: I'm a little bit surprised because it was kind of under him that it came in, and um, I I I agree with it. As you know, I've said on the other. I, I don't know what everyone's complaining about. Um, it might be safer to get rid of the 60 cat rule now because there's not so much money in England as there was. Yeah. <laughs> but there's still there's still the threat of you know playing in France and what have you. Um, you might have, it might be as simple as he just got some players in mind that he can't pick. Uh, specifically, Will Rowlands and Corey Hill. Mm. Um, so. that might might be the motivation behind it. But like I say, eh, every country that can possibly keep all their players in their own country do keep their players in their own country. And there's a reason why they do it. It's not, they don't do it just for shits and giggles because they can. They do it because it's really important to the domestic game, really important to have all your best players or as many of your best players as you can in, in your country. And, and, and like I've bloody prattled on so many times before, if you play outside England, you can't play for England, you can't play for France, every, you can't play for Ireland. They all do it. And it's not, it's, they don't just do it just to be honourable to their <laughs> rugby players. It's for a really clear reason. And that's why we've got the 60 cap rule.
1: Well it is and also as we you know, as we've said a number of times, when there's rugby going on, club rugby going on during international windows, um, it means you don't get as much access to your own players if they're if they're playing abroad. And mm. that's the that's the bit that I think is is potentially really damaging. We all know that the regions are gonna be under financial pressure and they're gonna to have to let players go and they're gonna to have to find they're gonna to have to find Trade elsewhere. You're right. There's not as much money floating around England, France. To a certain degree, you're limited. I, I think that I think I'm right in saying there's a limit on the number of um, the number yeah. of players who are, are, are not French qualified that you can have uh, within yeah. that within that squad. So it's perhaps not as much as a threat as it was um, no. a, a few years no. back. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, the the big thing for me is around is around international windows um, because yeah the the one side that you didn't mention there, Murphys, is, is is the Scottish side. Now, obviously, Scotland can't um can't do that. They pick players from from wherever, and I do feel like we're probably in a financial sense closer to mm. Scotland than we are to Ireland. So, what what do you think, Harry? Is this is this going to be kind of the beginning of the end of the sixty cap rule?
2: Um, As we know it, um, I I do think there will be something in place. But as you said, with the financials, there needs to be... It'd be sad to see some of these hugely experienced players and and their their mindsets and professionalism leave um, the game in Wales. But financials probably dictate um, decisions at the moment. And with the, the... cap coming in a potential cap coming in um it'll be difficult to see um who will be able to stay on especially with them missing so much rugby um during the international windows um it'd be interesting to see what the clubs do will will there be one approach across the four regions or will there be different um approaches um taken so yeah I, i think it there still should be something in place, uh, maybe not quite 60 caps. But yeah, it'll be sad to lose um, some experienced players if it does happen.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, right. A couple of exciting things to finish on. Uh, so first up, Murph, how do you feel about the idea of winning three pints of Guinness?
0: I'm totally against anything uh, uh, to do with alcohol or free. I like it to be expensive <laughs> and very uh, non-alcoholic. That's all right. I, I prefer it that way.
1: Oh, there's a certain section of uh, of the Millennium Stadium that will appear to you then. Um, <laughs> and, and what, what about you, Harry? How do you fancy uh, winning some signed merchandise by purely by picking the uh, the scores of matches during the Six Nations?
2: Yeah, it doesn't sound too bad at all, really, does Good. it?
1: <laughs> Good. Well, this is great news then for for not just you boys, but for all our listeners. So uh, we've teamed up with the guys over at Fanzo, which used to be called Match Pints. You may remember it uh, helps you kind of... Um, uh, identify the, the local pub where you, where, your game is, where the game is going to be shown and they run something called the, uh, the Guinness Pint Predictor uh, and we're going to be playing that throughout the Six Nations. So if you want to join our league and take on us boys, so rather than just me predicting or us predicting our scores and then me forgetting about it the next week, we've actually got this documented in one place and if you want to show us that you know more about us, then make sure you download the Fanzo app and, uh, and then, yes, if you search for the code attacking, then you can find and join our league. Uh, so that'll be a bit of fun as we go throughout the tournament. Um, so, yeah, we'll keep everyone updated uh, on that one. Uh, I'm making my big bold prediction now, by the way, that Wales are going to win the Triple Crown. I've, I've put, uh, put put a little bit of money behind that one. i just got a feeling we're going to catch Ireland cold at home. What? So. Uh,
0: if you don't mind me asking, what price are Wales to win the Triple Crown? 12 to 1. Hmm, a very big price for the tournament, don't they? Something
1: like forty or fifty to one. Yeah, and so, yeah. Um, yeah, France away is the the one that re- <laughs> yeah. sure no, I mean winning yeah. a triple crown would be hard enough, but yeah, even if you do that, France away is a is a is, a, is a, not as easy a fixture as it would have been um, under Warren Gatlin's previous time in charge. Um, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, that's the one that's that's made me go for triple crown. But it it would feel like a a triple crown would feel like a grand slam right now. I think. Mm. Given how uh, given how strong France are, uh, and yeah. actually how strong you know how strong Ireland are, and you know, England with a new coach, etc. Uh, so yeah, lots more of these predictions to come over the uh, over the coming weeks, and we've got another special for you coming up later in the week. So uh, this should be out on Thursday morning, and uh, myself and Dan caught up with uh, Alex Popham last week, so that interview will be going live. Uh, so he talks about all the work that he's been doing with uh, Head for Change, the charity that he set up uh, after, being, um, after being diagnosed uh, with, with early onset dementia. So really interesting chat with him about um, about how the game has, is adapting to uh, from a player welfare point of view, what more needs to be done. Uh, and also he talks to us about a big fundraising um, cycle ride that he's going to be doing later in the year um that I think we're pushing Dan Killick towards going and uh, and, and cycling from Richmond to Lyon. So uh yeah get get him in the saddle and those thighs burning. Um so yeah it'd be a really interesting chat with Alex that is out on Thursday. Uh, and hopefully we're gonna have some more specials throughout the Six Nations and throughout the year. So make sure you subscribe uh, on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts uh, to make sure you don't miss out on any bonus episodes that we've got. Uh, And finally, a big thanks as always to our sponsors at So Coffee Trades. If you want to get some top quality coffee, you can do that over at socoffeetrades.co.uk. From Harry, from Murph, and from me, that's it for this week. We'll be back to chat rugby with you very, very soon. Podcast Network.